You laid death in its grave through your sacrifice, through your courage, your faithfulness to us, Lord. You you conquered death. And so as we study this scripture today, we study the story of your victory. We pray that we would be swept away, that you would scoop us up and take us away to this this place where you become real and alive and and you live through us and in us and that your kingdom would become real in, in, in us and through us as a result of the message today, that it wouldn't just be hollow, but it'd be real transformation for this world, which is in so much need. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Wow, it's so good to see you today. Good morning. How are you doing? You all right? I love getting together with the whole crew. The scripture tells us, Jesus tells us that where two or three are gathered together, there I am in your midst. And when we get together as a body, there's just this thing. I, do you get chills sometimes when, when just at moments in worship, you just feel like you're being swept away when you recognize the goodness of God, the glory of God? Now, let me just tell you something crazy. This many people got up this morning and thought, I could go golfing. I could go to the beach. I could, well, no kidding, the best music I've ever heard in my life. But the other thing is, it's out of faithfulness. It's just out of a, out of, you know what? I want to praise Jesus today. And I want to find a place where I can, and learn about loving other people and love other people. And, and it is an incredible thing when you're with people who have the same heart and same mind. And, and we're, we're focused in on helping the world and healing the world with the hands of Jesus. You know, being swept away is, is something that happens in scripture. Sometimes it's not always a good thing. Today we're looking at a scripture that is about Jesus, uh, Jesus in his last few hours of his life. And it's a powerful, powerful image, and it's a disturbing image as well. But it's actually one of the, the most powerful things that Jesus does as he is headed just a few hours later to conquer death on the cross. It's a big, big idea. And so there is a possibility through the power of the Holy Spirit that we could get swept away and that we could actually be transported to that moment. So are you ready to read scripture and get swept away? All right, let's read this scripture. This is from Mark chapter 15, verse 1 through 20. As soon as it was morning, now, by the way, Jesus had just earlier the evening before, Jesus had had his last supper with his disciples around a table. And then he prayed in the garden where he was, he was um, well, he was basically abandoned by his disciples, his followers who said, I'll be with you till the end. And then he was arrested in the garden by one of his disciples, Judas, whom he loved, but who betrayed him. And then he was on trial, trial in front of the religious authorities, the chief priests. And all of these false accusations were flying around. And guess what? Not one of his disciples stood up and said, you know, this is not who Jesus really is. And then the chief priests sentenced Jesus to death. But there's a problem. The chief priests were not allowed to execute people. They had to do it through the civil authorities. Does that make sense? They had to do it through the government. So they cart off Jesus to Pontius Pilate, who is now going to execute or execute the sentence or figure out whether Jesus should be executed. So let's hear what happens. It says, as soon as it was morning, this is Friday morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, they led him away, and they handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him this question, are you the king of the Jews? 
And Jesus said these words, you say so. That's him saying, you said it, brother. Yeah, he's saying, you said it. I didn't say it. You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply so that Pilate was amazed. Now, I love that last little sentence, so that Pilate was amazed. At this point, Pilate changes from someone who's just asking about Jesus and asking Jesus questions to someone who seems to be converted in a way. He has now becomes Jesus's advocate. He starts to advocate for Jesus's release from prison. Now, it's interesting. Life is all about questions, isn't it? It feels like our whole life is about finding the answers to questions, whether it's philosophy or science. We're trying to find the answers to, uh, to anthropology. We're trying to find the answers to history. We're even trying to find the answers to, um, to, to everything that goes on in life, right? Our call, our whole schooling ever since we're a little child is all about finding answers, isn't it? Learning how to find answers. And then we, we grow up and then we spend the rest of our life trying to find the answer of what we're called to do with our life. That's, that's our search, our journey. And I love that Pilate asks really clear, directed questions of Jesus. And this is something really important. I want you to hear this. The beginning of faith is bringing our questions to God. That's the beginning of faith, is bringing our questions to God. And I love that Pilate brings his questions, really pointed, directed questions to Jesus. He says, he says something like, are you the king of the Jews? Straight up. He does not, he's not like, hey, how you doing? Uh, where are you from? He's just straight out the gate. Are you the king of the Jews? And the other question he, is, he asks is, have you no answers? Isn't it interesting that he's looking in the face of Jesus, who is the answer, and asking him, have you no answers? And the other thing that I think is incredible is that the most profound thing that Jesus could say is actually nothing. That Jesus is silent. It's the silence of Jesus that amazes and converts Pilate. One of our nation's heroes is Frederick Douglass. Have you ever heard of him? I love this quote from Frederick Douglass. He said, I prayed for 20 years, but I received no answer until I prayed with my legs. It took him 20 years to realize that God had been speaking to him the whole time through the silence. The whole time God had been t- calling him, urging him. 20 years later, he realized that God had been speaking to him the whole time to move, to make his faith mean something. I love this other qu- quote that says, silence isn't empty, it's full of answers. A lot of times, People go to God in prayer. They ask God questions. You know, that is the beginning of faith. And then they wonder why they don't hear things back from God. And even Jesus' first answer to Pilate is, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' first answer is just an echo. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? <laughs> right? You said so. There's such power in that. And so the beginning of faith, if the beginning of faith is questions, then I urge you and I implore you to spend some time asking Jesus. 
You know, Pilate is surrounded with all these people that are charging Jesus with false accusations. This is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. Now we know at the trial that they were a bunch of lies, a pack of lies, as they say. It's important that we investigate. We are in a world that has so many claims about who Jesus is. So many people are saying, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. It is important for you to ask those questions and to investigate. Don't take anyone's word for it. Please, find out for yourself. Ask God directly to reveal himself to you. There's power in that. Now listen how the scripture continues. Now, this is a tradition for Pilate. It says, at the festival, the festival of Passover, where they celebrated the dinners together once a year to celebrate the release from captivity of Egypt many, many hundreds of years before. It says, at the festival, Pilate used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now, a man called Barabbas. Now, look at that name, Barabbas. Do you know the word Abba? Does anybody know that word Abba? What is that word? Father, right? So his name is actually son of the father, Bar Abbas, right? A man named Bar Abbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder. Think, read this. He was in prison with the terrorists. That change it a little bit for you? Make a little sense? He was in prison with the terrorists. He was in Guantanamo, right? And he was guilty as, Right? He committed murder during the insurrection, these rebels. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. And then Pilate said to them, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed over Jesus to be crucified. Now here's the craziest thing. Barabbas was the guy's last name. His first name was Jesus. So the people had to choose which Jesus they wanted to follow. Doesn't that sound familiar? The people had to choose whether they wanted to follow Jesus Barabbas, who was the violent, revolutionary, who was going to bring about the change of the social systems at the cost of any innocent lives, no matter what? Or would they follow Jesus of Nazareth, who seemed so weak? He wasn't the kind of king that you would want, because all he led with was healing and love and caring and compassion. And he, all he did was speak truth. Somehow his truth twisted, he turned the world upside down. It helped people to see things as they really were. Which will you follow as you begin to ask those questions of faith? Which Jesus will you follow? Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus Barabbas? Now listen to how the scripture continues. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Did I tell you that people are pretty, that we get swept away sometimes? So the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have them, have, have Pilate release Barabbas for them instead. And Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Listen to this. 
they shouted back, crucify him. And Pilate asked them, why? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's not guilty of anything. What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And then this is an awful image, but Pilate then, who knows, who knows that Jesus is innocent, he flogs Jesus in front of everyone. And then he handed him over to be crucified. The crowd is stirred up to yell the words crucify. They're stirred up to to actually ask for the release of the terrorist Barabbas and not for Jesus, who is completely innocent. And Pilate is also swept away because actually the scripture says in order to satisfy the crowd, he hands Jesus over to be crucified. You know, Pilate was the leader. His job was to stand up for the innocent to make sure that justice was done. He was the judge and he got swept away with the crowd. Okay, in junior high, I went to a junior high of about 300 to 500 kids in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, there's a lot of things wrong with that sentence, I understand, but it's okay. Um, and when I was there, there, was, uh, there, there were great teachers and the teachers were actually going on strike because their salary, instead of getting more each year, was getting less and less. Does that sound a little familiar too? So the teacher's salaries were getting less and less, and uh, they, they were on subsistence wages. They couldn't get by. And so the teachers had started to go on strike. They would walk out of classes or do whatever they could. They were protesting. So I went to school one day when I, I looked at the newspaper that arrived on our doorstep and it said, teachers' salaries are lowered again. What will happen? And, uh, and then I went to school, and I remember in the, one of the, my first classes, I turned to a kid and I said, I think that, I think we should do a walkout later today. We should just do a walkout. And you know, in junior high, like, yeah, let's do a walkout. This is so cool. You know, like junior high kids are ready to do it. And just a friend of mine was like, that's a really good idea. So I didn't hear much of it until around noon. Someone said, did you hear there's going to be a big walkout? And I said, no, I, I think I said it, but I didn't realize it was happening. They said, yeah, it's at two o'clock. And I said, what? There's a time now? And yeah, it's true. And then and then I saw the, the clock getting closer to two, and the craziest thing, all the students, it was like, it was like a weird mix between like Lord of the Flies and like, like um, Dead Poet Society, you know? Imagine that moment. Okay, all these kids just get up from their desks, and they leave. And almost every kid in the school, there were like two kids in every class, and you could just see them. You didn't want to be those two kids that were like, I'm going to be good today. No, you don't want to do that. Good for them, though, right? Standing against, to be standing firm. Good job, kid. So we walked out, and we started walking out down the street, and we were headed toward the Capitol to protest that teacher salaries were not what they should be. Now, I have to be honest, only about 10 kids made it to the Capitol. <laughs> the rest ended up going home and playing Nintendo with their friends. Um, but those kids later that day were on the news, and they were interviewed and the news reported that the kids cared so much that they did a walkout. And uh, that was kind of, kind of true, kind of, you know. We liked it. It was fun. See, you know, people, it's easy to, 
to get people to do good things. It's actually pretty easy to get people to do bad things too. And it only takes a whisper sometimes for whole groups of people to enter into a kind of madness that doesn't really make sense or is contrary to all the things that they believed before. Now, we can prove that because of the Holocaust. Six million Jews were completely annihilated. Men, women, grandmas, grandpas, children, babies. Six million were completely killed. Well, completely. They were killed. And they were, this was done by 50,000 people who were part of the death machine. They were a kind of group of people that they can't figure out how people could have ever done such horrible things, except that when people get together in groups and they encourage each other and they prod each other on, they do things that, that you could never think of having happen otherwise. What are we being swept away by? Who are we becoming in our lives? In what ways are we deluding ourselves into thinking that we are just like those people in Nazi Germany? They thought they were doing the right thing. You know, every movement of people that ended up participating in some kind of massacre, you know what they said? They said, we are doing the right thing. We are the righteous ones. From the Salem witch trials, they thought they were putting to death witches and warlocks. They were completely convinced that what they were doing was the righteous good thing at the time. It's true. Now, there's always a few chief priests who are stirring up the crowd, right? There's a few chief priests who are in there stirring up the crowd, causing people to, causing the people to say things they wouldn't otherwise say, to make decisions that they wouldn't otherwise make. Look at this, the slave trade in America. There, was, there were people who were convinced, there were people preaching from the pulpit that slavery was absolutely 100% ethical. Because look, and they twisted scripture to make, it, make evidence for this. We have to be really, really careful that we don't get swept away by the bad stuff. We have to be very careful. We can get swept away in this world just like the people who were there in Jerusalem at that day. You know, this is a very, very big point, and I want you to hear this. A lot of people want to receive the resurrection. They want to receive the good news of the resurrection without acknowledging their part in the crucifixion. A lot of people want to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus without acknowledging that they too participated in the crucifixion of Jesus. You know, after all the scheming, right? There were the chief priests, there were the elders, there were the scribes. Even the disciples who by benign neglect sent Jesus to the cross. The disciples who failed to stay up and pray with him at night. The disciples who, who failed by, oh, there was Judas, of course, who betrayed him. But there was also Peter who didn't speak a word of truth at Jesus' trial. Who could have said, this is who Jesus really is. I know the real Jesus. Pilate who could have done his part? After all of those people, do you know who really sent Jesus to the cross? It was the mob. It was the people. They were the ones who handed the final death sentence to Jesus saying, crucify him. Wow. 
And as we look past this whole reclaimed series that we've been doing has been about looking at our own brokenness, being really honest about our brokenness. And you may think it's a real downer, but did you know that the way, that, what is the name that we give to the Friday when Jesus was crucified? Does anyone know what it's called? What? Did you say Good Friday? Do you know why it's Good Friday? Because that is the day when Jesus entered into the final battle. When all of the people were looking at Jesus and he was bound up like this, they said, Jesus, you're the prisoner. You know what? He wasn't the prisoner. They were. And he was setting them free. Right? Jesus, Jesus stood before them and they thought he was so weak. He could do nothing. And do you know what? In that very moment, they were showing their deepest weakness. They were showing how desperately weak they were. Now listen to how the scripture continues with their final little piece. It says this. Then the soldiers led Jesus into the courtyard of the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole cohort. All of the chief priests, all the elders, all the scribes. They all gather around and this is what they do. They clothed him in a purple cloak, which is, by the way, the purple is the color of a king. It's royal color. They put a purple cloak on him. And then after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And when you think about them putting it on, I want you, we didn't just put it on him. They pressed those thorns down into his head so that the blood would start coming out from all these different places. And then it said, they began to salute him. I don't know how they saluted. How do you think they saluted? Hail, king of the Jews. They struck his head with a reed and they spat on him and knelt down in homage to him. And after mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and they put his own clothes on him and then they led him out to crucify him. You know, when those soldiers put that purple cloak on him, they thought that they were just making fun of him as though he were a king, just to show that he really wasn't a king. And when they put that crown of thorns on his head, they were trying to demonstrate that he really wasn't a king. But what they didn't realize is they were actually putting him on a throne. They were actually participating in his coronation ceremony. They were actually placing the crown of righteousness on his head. They were actually demonstrating his glory when they bowed down to him. You know, there is so much good news here. And next week, we will be looking at the scripture that tells of Jesus' crucifixion. And I told you, and you're right, it's called Good Friday. Because on that day, Jesus conquers death. Jesus absorbs death. He absorbs sin. He sets people free. And you know what? It's just on Easter that it's revealed. The real battle happens at the cross when Jesus is tempted and he refuses to give in to the temptation to come down off of that cross. And instead decides to love and love and love and love. Now on that day when Jesus met with his disciples earlier, before his sentencing to the cross, he met with them around a table like this. And he told them how he would die, that all of the things that would transpire throughout the rest of the evening. And he said, in the middle of the meal, this is my body. And he said, when he said it, they must have thought, well, we know who you are. 
We know the truth of who you are. This is the whole truth. This is everything about who Jesus is. This is my body, the totality of who I am. He says, as perfect as this is, he said, this is my body and my body is being broken, completely broken for you. And then after the meal, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood poured out, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you think about the blood being poured out, think about the crown of thorns being pressed down over his head as the blood comes streaming down. That's the beginning. Poured out for the remission of your sins. Take and drink and drink ye all of it and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim Jesus' death, but not just his death, his saving death that conquers all sin. His saving death that rescues us from the prison that we live in. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, God's people have the unusual opportunity to be a part of bringing about a kingdom, a real kingdom. Not a kingdom of of shiny gold towers, but a kingdom of people who love widows and orphans and care for the poor and are desperately seeking to love one another with fairness and justice and humility. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless these elements, bless them to our body. As we worship you today, we worship, we recognize that you are the one who had the crown of thorns pressed into your head. You were the one that was spat upon and ridiculed and mocked and hit and abused. And you stood firm, even in the midst of all the people, Lord, who were swaying and being swept away by one thing after another. You stood firm. You are the rock of our salvation. And so, Jesus, we pray that you bless these elements to us, that you'd help us to receive them with all of the love that you have for us. And we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.